Our gospel lesson for today is from Luke chapter 10, verses 38 through 42. Please stand in body or in spirit for the reading of the gospel. Now, as they went on their way, he entered a certain village where a woman named Martha welcomed him. She had a sister named Mary who sat at Jesus' feet and listened to what he was saying. But Martha was distracted by her many tasks, so she came to him and asked, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to do all the work by myself? Tell her then to help me. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are worried and distracted by many things, but few things are needed. Indeed, only one. Mary has chosen the better part, which will not be taken away from her. The word of God for the people of God. You may be seated. Now, often we read the gospel second and the, um, the letter uh, to uh, uh, the epistle to, uh, to read it first. But today I switched them around because I really believe that if, if Jesus had had these words of the Apostle Paul, he would have shared it with Mary and Martha that day when he went to their home. Who knows? But anyway, and then since I'm retiring in July, I also, I just want to share with you the scriptures that are my favorites, some of which I have memorized. And so today on this festival of the Christian home, I would like to invite us to consider this story of Mary and Martha and Jesus and the story of love as the apostle has shared it in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. I'd like to read it to you from the Revised Standard Gary Brooks version. If I speak all the languages of humanity, and even the language of angels, but have not love, I'm a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. And if I have prophetic powers, and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and, and have all faith to remove even the mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. And if I give away all that I have, and if I deliver my body to be burned, but have not love, I gain nothing. For love is patient and kind. Love is not jealous or boastful. It is not arrogant or rude. Love does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. Love does not rejoice at wrong things but rejoices at right things. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never ends. As for prophecies, they will pass away. As for tongues, they will cease. As for knowledge, it too will pass away, for our knowledge is imperfect and our tongues and our prophecy is imperfect. But when the perfect comes, the imperfect will pass away. Let me put it like this. When I was a child, I spoke like a child, I thought like a child, I reasoned like a child, but when I grew up, I gave up childish ways. 
Now let me put it like this. Now we see in a mirror dimly, but then we shall see face to face. Now I know in part, but then I shall fully understand, even as I have been fully understood. So faith, hope, love abide, these three, but the greatest of these is love. And then with the stroke of his pen, the great apostle admonished his readers, let love be your highest priority in life. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Wow. Now some say, and it's been in many a sermon, that Jesus was chastising Martha for being worried and troubled about many things. I don't know that he was chastising her as much as he was giving her an invitation to leave the dishes in the kitchen and all the preparations and come and join what's going on in the living room. He knew he didn't have all day to be there. And Mary and him were in the living room. I picture them sitting on the floor just sharing stories and having a a, a lot of fun talking with each other. And Martha was missing out. It's not that he was saying, we don't need you, Martha. Because they were going to get hungry and they were going to need to switch gears and have lunch before too much time passed by. But Martha... Relax, come and sit with us. I sometimes feel that uh, our Lord is talking to me just like he talked to Martha. I remember when I graduated from high school. Man, I was relieved. I was involved in so many things. I was in the the, the senior musical. I was in the senior play. I was in the music department. I didn't run sports so much because I tripped over the lines painted on the gym floor. (laughs) But I was into so many things that I was literally chewing on some antacids to make it through. And I never forget when graduation happened, I felt some permission to relax. So I want to give you permission to relax play a lot this summer, especially going to school next fall. Take some time for ice cream. Get a fishing pole and go fishing. Do something just, just, just to be. And maybe that's the invitation of our Lord and the invitation of the great apostle when he talks about the highest qualities of life, which are not the stuff that we often associate with success, but the relationships that are so important to life, mental health, and our well-being. What Jesus was giving to Martha was an invitation to just leave it there for a little while. I want to give you permission to do that. I don't know, maybe some of you are Marthas, and it's the Marthas of the world that get things done. Don't get me wrong. It's the perfectionists of the world. They have the ability to to organize and, and see a result and to move toward it. 
And then there's the Marys of the world who say, hey, it's okay to take a break once in a while. I don't know. If we were to take a poll, how many of you would be more like Martha? How many of you would be more like Mary? Yeah? We need both of you. We need Mary's in a Martha world. We need Martha in a Mary's world. But right now, especially in talking to the graduates, we need some grace space. And maybe that was the invitation. Like, uh, Martha, just leave the dishes in the sink. I had a family in a previous church that the way they did it was after a meal, they would clear the table and they'd pile all the dishes in the sink. They didn't have a dishwasher. That was before dishwashers, I think. <laughs> anyway, they'd pile them in the sink. And so then before the next meal, they would just take stock of what they needed. We need this many plates. We need this many glasses. We need this many. And they would wash up those and they'd put them on the table and they'd leave the rest in the sink. Yeah, well, they had exterminators. I mean, <laughs> maybe it's okay. Leave the dishes in the sink and let's go play. They're not going to rot. Another one is uh, dust. Now, I have had this in sermons previously, but I want to reiterate this at least one more time before I retire. And that is the merits and the God-given nature of dust. Now, we have all kinds of products to get rid of dust. There's Swiffers. There's Swiffer Jets. There is uh, in dust. There's Lemon Pledge. Hachu. And there's all kinds of things that you can get to eliminate dust from your home. You can even get HEPA filters to try to keep it at bay. But I'll tell you what, it doesn't matter whether you have a roof over your head or no roof, there will be dust. And I'd like to change your thinking and have you think about it as a gift, like manna from the bountiful supply that quietly sifts into your home and alights on your fine furniture. Now, it's a protective coating. <laughs> yeah, it is. Yeah, it is. It is. It is a protective coating. You know, if, if you have dust on your furniture that's in front of your window, and uh, the sun shines in your window, the glass magnifies the ultraviolet rays, and, and it could be harmful to your fine furniture. But if you have dust on your furniture... It will protect it. <laughs> now, you don't want to clean off the dust very often because every time you dust, well, dust is an abrasive. And every time you dust, you will create fine scratches that will be impossible to renew. And over time, you will dull the luster of the furniture that you spent big bucks on. Martha, Martha, you are worried and troubled over many things. Just leave the dust for your grandchildren. I had someone tell me after church that they've got a shelf in, in, in their closet that they will never dust because it's got little toe prints on it from the children that are getting up to see what's on the upper shelves. And those little toes, you know, they're going to grow up. And someday you'll want those little toe prints on those shelves. Are you listening, friends? 
the whole thing is, come on, folks. We live in a culture that is so much about doing and achieving. And there is pressure to do and achieve just to put bread and butter on the table at times and to, 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 to make life go. And it goes so fast and furious, we don't take time for ourselves. No wonder we have a mental health crisis in our world today. I want to give you an invitation to come, sit at the feet of Jesus, whatever that means. Practice mindfulness, rehearse some scriptures, sit out on your back porch and listen to the birds singing. Get the earbuds out of your ears, turn off the screen, go for a walk, take a nap, whatever you need to do to refresh and to restore. That's how you learn what it means to be patient and kind, to put aside arrogance and falsehood, to take care of the irritability is to have space in your life. There are medical doctors that talk about margin. In fact, there's a medical doctor that wrote a book called Margin. And he talks about the white space around the edge of a piece of paper inside a book. Do you know if they published that book and they put the the, the writing clear to the edge and started at the very top and went to the very bottom, you wouldn't read it. You'd soon grow weary and you'd put the book down. But it's the white space that makes it more attractive. And it's the white space that we build into our lives that gives us room. When something does come up, we've got some room to move rather than have our lives so chock full that when disaster strikes, we have no place to go. When the apostle said, I will show you a more excellent way. There's a woman who wrote an adaptation on the love chapter. I'd like to share it with you. Joanne Merrill wrote this. It's included in a book entitled Fresh Elastic for Stretched Out Moms by Barbara Johnson. Some of you might still have this on your shelves. It's on page 45. If I live in a house of spotless beauty with everything in its place but have not love, I am a housekeeper not a homemaker. If I have time for waxing, polishing, and decorative achievements, but have not love, my children learn of cleanliness, not godliness. Love leaves the dust in search of a child's laugh. Love smiles at the tiny fingerprints on a newly cleaned window. Love wipes away the tears before it wipes up the spilt milk. Love picks up the child before it picks up the toys. Love is present through the trials. Love may reprimand, but love will embrace. Love crawls with the baby, walks with the toddler, runs with the child, then stands aside to let the youth walk into adulthood. You can remember that. Say, get out of the way. I'm walking into adulthood. Love is the key that opens salvation's message to a child's heart. 
Before I became a mother, I took glory in my house perfection. Now I glory in God's perfection of my child. As a mother, there is much I must teach my child, but the greatest of all is love. That's what the apostle was saying. There's faith. There's hope. We need both of those. And there's love. And the greatest of these is love. And when you study the original Greek in that next statement where the apostle says, let love be your highest priority in life, it's in the context of pursuing it with everything you've got because it is valuable, it is gold, and it will never leave you. I'm going to err on the side of loving. I'm going to get it right all the time. I'll get worried about stuff, especially if someone touches my bicycle. But I hope to take enough time to rejoice and to savor God's goodness in this world and to plan ahead for when goodness runs the other way. Love. It's what life is about. Amen.